Uh, this morning, I get the uh, wonderful opportunity to share about the book of Revelation. Uh, when the planning meeting happened, uh, planning out the services of uh, you asked for it, the questions that uh, people might have, uh, I missed the planning meeting. And so when you miss a planning meeting, you have the, the opportunity to be left behind potentially and end up preaching the book of Revelation. So uh, I have the, the uh, wonderful task of preaching the book of Revelation this morning. Um, and by far, I would say Revelation has the greatest uh, intrigue factor of all the books in the Bible, also the fear and confusion factor more than any other books in the Bible. And Revelation is a type of apocalyptic writing, uh, which by definition means to forecast the ultimate destiny of the world. So it's a big thing. You know, it's, it's, it's massive, this, this book of Revelation. But my heart today is that we would uh, not be confused or terrified or worried about it, but we would actually embrace the book of Revelation and look for the main character. Anyone know who the main character is? His name is Jesus, and he is alive today, and he is coming back for his church, and we are a part of it, and we are building a church in this nation and the nations of the world that will one day become his bride. In this room, there's different groups of people. I recognize that. We have those that believe that maybe uh, everything that took place in the book of Revelation uh, has already, or everything that was spoken of, already took place in the first century. We have others that just believe that it's a kind of a typecast, the, uh, an imagery of good and evil. Uh, others believe that some happened in the first century, some are still to come, and others of you just find it too difficult, so 65 books out of 66 is enough, right? So we can just stick with all of them except the one. Well, fortunately, it doesn't matter which place you find yourself this morning. Uh, don't, don't be focused on the minor or the finer details. Let's look for one character. One character, his name is Jesus, and we're going to focus on him this morning. So let's open Revelation 1, verse 1, and I'm not reading all of Revelation this morning, just in case you're wondering. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. So Revelation is written by John, a disciple of Jesus, and he's exiled on the island of Patmos. He's under Emperor Domitian and uh, King Nero. So he's, uh, he's kind of put in exile, and he has this vision or this revelation. A revelation simply means to reveal something, to, to reveal something. If you've ever been to a museum and they've taken the, the, the cloth off the statue or the picture, you can vaguely see what might be underneath it, but until it's revealed, you don't know what it is. What Jesus is wanting to do is to reveal what is happening and what will be, what will take place. So the revelation is trying to get an understanding of what God has already done and what he is about to do. Uh, as, a, as a sports fan, any sports fans in the house? Anyone excited about Liverpool's prospects this year? Uh, great, fantastic, a couple. I think this is our year as it has been for the last 28 years. Yeah, I, I prefer to support a losing team because, you know, there's no fun. There's no sermon illustrations in winning. It's only in the losing and the disappointment. So um, <laughs> Liverpool, come on, you'll never walk alone. Anyway, as a, as a sports fan, I love the highlights compilations. You know, the, the big tackles, the, the goals, the, you know, the energy, the bloopers, all of those things. I love the highlights package. And that's kind of what Revelation is. It's like the highlights package of Jesus' life. It's like the, the culmination of the final thing that takes place. And let me encourage you because right from the start, there's a promise that's given to us, unlike any other book of the Bible. Revelation 1.3, it says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. There's a blessing 
when we read this aloud. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. So let's pray together and believe that this blessing is ours to receive together as we look at the words of Revelation. So Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word that is a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path. And today we come and we look at this book of Revelation and we look at the central character, your son Jesus, and we honor him today. And we thank him for what he did for us. We thank, thank you that our lives are, are made perfect. Our, our lives are made new because of what you did, Jesus, on the cross. So we honor you and we look to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Anyone like a good movie? Any movie fans in the house? I love a good movie. One of the favorite things Amy and I love to do is sit down and watch a movie. The problem with watching a movie with Amy is she falls asleep after about 30 minutes. You know, this, the movie gone in 60 seconds, she's gone in about maybe six or seven minutes sometimes, and she's just, she's, she's out, she's, she's gone. So I'm sitting there watching a movie and, and she's fast asleep. We went and watched Mission Impossible just last week, high octane action movie, and within about 17 minutes, she's gone. I'm like... And I have no problem with her sleeping. She's a mom of three kids. Um, and if you heard her story last year, her battle with insomnia and uh, you know, the mental health journey, uh, any sleep is good sleep for my wife, all right? The problem I have is that just as the credits are rolling, she goes, what happened? Can anyone testify to that? Yeah. What happened? Just like the whole movie, babe. I mean, which part do you want me to explain? I think if you miss Revelation, it's like missing the last scene of a movie, right? Because in the last scene of a movie, every question that's been asked of the main character gets answered, right? Is he going to get the girl? You know, will he fight the bully? Will he last the 12 rounds? Will he become the champion? You know, the, finally, the answers are, are, are asked of the main character. And that's like the book of Revelation. It's like Jesus highlights compilation and we get to watch, we get to see, we get to experience what he did. So, let's set the scene because obviously the last book, you've got to get some context to get to the last book. So, uh, how about 65 books in 65 seconds? Let's have a shot. <laughs> God created mankind on purpose for a purpose, to walk in relationship with him. That was his desire. But with that relationship, he also gave us choice. Choice to obey him, choice to disobey him. Mankind chose to disobey him. As a result, sin entered our world. We, we're born into sin. We are, we are sinful in nature. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. And, and, and so for centuries to come, mankind tried to get right with God again. The, the nation of Israel would, would come to God, they'd fall and they'd go away again. God would call them back and they'd come back and then they'd fall again. Time and time again, God showed his love. Time and time again, Israel failed through kings, good kings and bad kings, through judges, through prophets. Israel would, were looking for this Messiah, looking for the answer. Jesus came, not looking like the, the Messiah they were expecting. They were expecting a king on a, on a horse that would come and would, would basically destroy the Roman Empire. But that's not how Jesus came. Jesus came in lowly circumstances. The Bible says he wasn't even much to look at. He probably wouldn't have got a starring role in a movie. 
But Jesus came as an administrator of justice, of grace, of mercy, like the world had never, ever seen before. So Jesus, he, he came and he lived a perfect life. He died on a cross for our sins. Three days later, God raised him to life. And he went back to heaven and he said to the disciples, you go wait in Jerusalem because I'm going to send my helper. Holy Spirit came and filled that room with power. And the people went out and they began to plant churches and expressions of faith all across the world. And, and letters were written to all the different churches and to, to encourage and to challenge and to, to keep at the faith. And then we find ourselves at Revelation, 65 books later. Let's unpack Revelation today. Revelation chapters 1 to 3, it begins with John having a vision of seven lampstands, each representing a local church in Asia Minor. The first three chapters, Jesus talks to the people about the things that they've done well, it was like, you, you're doing excellent in this. Your faith, your love is strong. But I have this against you. Here is your, it's kind of like a report card, really. These are the areas you could improve. Mike could listen in class a little more. You know, so he, these, these encouragements and also some rebukes to the church. Chapter 4, there's this glorious scene where John enters into the throne room of heaven. There's thunder, there's lightning, like four seasons in a day just happening all around him. He encounters these living creatures. With, with four images, kind of four faces, the, the, the lion representing leadership, the ox, which represents strength and, and hard work, the man, which represents the, the face of humanity, and then the eagle, which sees the wisdom, the sight, the vision of God. These creatures, along with the 24 elders, they fall to the ground and worship, and they declare to God, you are worthy, you are worthy our Lord and God to receive honor and glory and power. Then in Revelation 5, John sees a scroll in God's right hand and a mighty angel proclaims, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And at this point, John begins to weep. And we're not just talking a you know, little tear. I, I think this was a gut-wrenching, snot-pouring-out-of-the-nose kind of a cry. He wept and wept because no one could be found worthy to open the seal. But then the angel comes. Maybe the angels were singing, we need a hero. And the hero came, Jesus. One of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Now in this moment, John would have been looking for a lion, right? Behold, the lion of Judah, lion symbolizing the strength of the animal kingdom. Do you think he might have been a little bit surprised when he saw the lamb? Not quite what he was expecting. The lion of Judah coming as a lamb that looked like it had been slain? But it's not really that big a surprise because the lamb has always been God's plan A. Not God's plan B, God's plan A. Right from the beginning of time when we read in Re Revelation 13, 8, the lamb who was slain from the beginning of the world. This was always God's plan, that the lamb would stand as a central character right through the Bible and right into Revelation. When we go back to Genesis, Abraham climbed the mountain 
wanting to show his worship to God. And God says, I want you to take your son, Isaac, your only son. I want you to sacrifice him on this mountain. Abraham went and he was prepared to do that. The problem was Isaac was like you and I. Isaac was sinful. Isaac could not be the perfect sacrifice. And so God said, I will provide for you. And he provided a ram. He provided a lamb. Centuries later, that same lamb hung on a cross on a mountaintop. His name is Jesus. He stood there as the lamb. The lamb has been the central figure. Abraham trusted God and was prepared to give his everything for God. So we look and we see right at the start, the lamb is our sacrifice. The lamb is our sacrifice. If you're taking notes, you can fill in the blanks there. Ten things, ten things we see about Jesus. We see the lamb described is our sacrifice. So chapter 6, the lamb begins to open the seals one at a time. The first four release four horses to the corners of the earth sent out to bring the judgment on the earth. Seal number five revealed those that have been martyred for the sake of the gospel. Each of these are given a white robe as they wait for the, the deaths of the rest of the saints. Then the sixth seal is open. That isn't easy to say. And there's a great earthquake. Now just remember Jesus said that there's going to be earthquakes and famines in Matthew 24. He, he described what was coming. And at this point we read that the kings of the earth, or in today's uh, understanding would be the prime ministers, would be the kings, would be the, would be the presidents of the world. At this point, they went in hidden caves. And they cried out that the mountains would fall on them so that they would escape the wrath of the Lamb. So the world leaders recognized what was coming. And they went and hid because of the strength of the Lamb. At this point, 144,000 representing the tribes of Israel a multitude too numerous to count, representing every tribe and language, cry out in one voice. Who do they cry out to? Any guesses? To the Lamb. To the Lamb. Let's read Revelation 7.10. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The Lamb. The Lamb is our Savior. Salvation can be found in no other name but the name of Jesus. And he presents himself as the lamb that took away the sin of the world. Uh, uh, John the Baptist, when he was baptizing everybody in the Jordan River, people would come, they would, be, they would receive their baptism. And then he sees Jesus coming. And he declares to everybody that was listening, Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John understood the significance and the power of the lamb. At this point, 24 elders fall at his feet and worship him. Then one of the elders asked me, those in white robes, who, who are they? And, and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. Listen. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. John looks again, and he sees the lamb, the lamb as our shepherd. The lamb is our shepherd. He will cover, he will protect those that are called to him by his very presence. Even though we may be persecuted, even though we may face death in our lifetime, he is still our shepherd. 
Doesn't it make sense of the 23rd Psalm when King David wrote? He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he describes the protection of a shepherd that will nudge and correct behavior, will bring in line, bring it back onto the right path, prepare a table in the midst of our enemies. That is the king, that is, that is our, our, our shepherd, the Lord, the lamb is our shepherd. And when we read this, it's, un, it's important we read that Jesus is our shepherd because what happens in the start of chapter 8 is pretty intense. See, the lamb opens the seventh seal. And with that, the seven angels with the seven trumpets offer the prayers and worship of the saints as incense. What's then released onto earth is God's judgment. And at this point, everyone goes, aha, this is what I was thinking. This vindictive God, this God with a, with a big lightning rod that just wants to get anybody who's doing bad stuff and zap them. We have a God of love and justice. Choice. I'll tell you what, if we all followed what God asked us to do, the, 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 the lifestyle that he set out for us to live, this world would be an incredible place. It's not, because we still want to do our own thing. We still want to hurt people. We're still jealous. We're still, we're, we're still angry. We're, we still gossip. We still do those things because it's the sinful nature in us. But there comes a point in time where we all stand before God and we give an account for our lives. What will that look like? But if we look to our lamb, the lamb who is our shepherd, our savior. Chapter 8 and 9, the first six trumpets sound and result in various plagues, chastisements on the wicked. Chapter 10, the seven thunders announce the seventh trumpet, declaring the second coming of Jesus and the rapture. I'm, I'm racing through this. I can't unpack all of it, obviously. In the, chapter 11, John is told to go and measure the temple, doing the specs on the temple. Then two end-time prophets, they're martyred in the tribulation. Their, their bodies lie for three and a half days out in the open. God raises them to life, and the seventh angel sounds his trumpet. The elders break out in another praise party. There's, there's thunder and lightning, this time hail and an earthquake. Again, you know, every time you know, God's about to do something, the heavens shake. In chapter 12, we read of the battle between the dragon and Michael the archangel along with the other angels. And it sounds terrifying. And when you read this, it, it, it can be daunting and overwhelming. But we need to do what, what John does. And he looks and he sees the lamb again. Revelation 12, 11. They triumphed over him. And when you say him, it can be everything that we face. We triumph by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. They did not love their own lives so much as to shrink from death. My friend, the Lamb is our victory. The Lamb is our victory. Whatever you are facing today, the Lamb is your victory. You can overcome the enemy with the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, when we are not afraid to die for our faith, we are overcomers in this world. Chapter 13, we read of the beast that comes out of the sea, is given authority by Satan. A fatal wound is healed and the world is captured by the beast and worships the beast. You know, the Greek word for, for beast is actually social media. Social, no, I'm just teasing. Or am I? Social media. Then in Revelation 13, 8, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. 
the lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Number five, the lamb is the author of our story. Did you know that God is writing our story and that our name can be in the book of life? But he actually has, he asks us permission to put our name in his book. Will you receive me as your Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. Your name goes in my book. Wow. You know, even, even publishers have to, have to get uh, rights to put somebody's name and details in a book, right? God is the same. He says, I want to write your name in my book. Will you receive me? Will you accept this invitation? My friend, is your name written in the book of life? We're going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service. If you don't know that your name is written in the book of life, you can today say yes to the Lamb. Say yes to Jesus. Don't leave today without knowing the author of your story. Within well, a beast appears from the earth, forcing those on earth to worship the first beast. Each person is forced to carry the mark, which is the number and the name of the beast. Anyone not carrying the mark of the beast is not able to participate in buying and selling. You know, there's a lot of stuff talked about. There's a lot of theories. In fact, I've got a theory myself. Some would say that the apple was the very first. Uh, you know, the apple was the, the, the sin. You know, they took the bite of the apple. Maybe it was apple, maybe it was a pomegranate, but maybe it was an apple. Does that mean apple pay is... See, here's the problem with, with theories. They're not very helpful. And they're not always filled with facts and truth. You know, people can spend a whole lifetime trying to predict the day that Jesus, where this is all going to wrap up. And yet there's some pretty clear instructions in the Bible. I, I can't go past the fact that Jesus in Matthew 24 says, the angels and even me, the son, we don't know when it's going to happen. But be ready. So wonderful study. You know, get deep into this book. Learn all you can. But don't try and create a theory. It's not helpful. I lived as a teenager thinking I would never, ever get to be married because guess what? The end was coming in 19-something, and then there was another date and another date. I thought I would never get to be married. I was like, God, wait until at least after my honeymoon. I've been a good Christian boy. I want that opportunity. And yet he still has not returned. So let's be ready. And let's look for the lamb. Revelation 14.1, then I looked. And this is it again. John looked. What did he see? I looked and there before me was da, 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 the lamb standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Here we see the lamb is our identity. The lamb is our identity. When fear grips us, when rumors of end times engulf us, look for the lamb because he stands and fights the battle for those who are marked by his father. How many uh, animated movie fans do we have here? Anyone like Toy Story? Let's go right back there. Toy Story. I love the concept in Toy Story where all the toys, all they could ever desire is to have their foot marked with the name Andy. They just want that crayon scrawled on their foot to say, I belong to Andy. We kind of like those toys in, in many ways, aren't we? 
Do we find our identity in Christ? Is his name on our lives? Do we recognize him as our, our identity? Chapters 15 and 16, we're moving on. The plagues of the wrath of God are poured out. They're pretty nasty. You can check them out later on. Chapter 17, we read of the judgment and destruction of Babylon, which describes the spirit of the age. Babylon itself is described as a woman who rides a beast that represents the kings and kingdoms of the earth. In that time, and a final war is waged against the lamb. You'd think you'd win against the lamb, not a chance. As fear tries to grip us with war and terrorism, social agendas that are being pushed upon us, what do we do? We look for the lamb. Revelation 17, 14, they will wage war against the lamb. The kingdoms, the nations will wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. Now that's a moment where you could get excited. He is the Lord of lords. He is the king of kings. Clearly, it's not that good news. <laughs> Come on. I mean, you're, when the war comes, the Lamb fights our battle for us because He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Much better. <laughs> Number seven, the Lord. The Lamb is our Lord and King. The Lamb, the Lion that roars, the one that fights our battle for us. Whatever you're facing, let the Lord fight your battle. I love a song at the moment. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. And you know what? Some days recently, uh, us and our staff, we've, we've been fighting some battles just like this. Tears streaming down our face. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. I stand when it doesn't feel like I, sh I can stand, and I stand on the promises of God that he will fight the battles for us. The Lamb is our Lord and King. Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, they've got nothing on, on Jesus, the undefeated heavyweight champion of the universe. <laughs> Chapter eight, 18, God calls his people once more to remove themselves from Babylon's influence before she's destroyed. Now, don't, don't misunderstand that. We don't have to get ourselves out of the world. We're supposed to be in the world. But we are supposed to bring the reach, serve, and influence. We are God's hands and feet in this world. We need more and more Christians in all the different spheres of society, in education, and sports, and entertainment, and media, and in politics. We need you being the person you are, taking the gift you have, taking the influence you have, because the world is looking for truth. The world is looking for the answers, and it's found in people just like you. So every day you go to work, every day you serve at home, every day you go to school is an opportunity for you to bring influence, not to be influenced by the world. The Lamb is our Lord and King. The chapter 19, hallelujah, salvation, glory and power belongs to our God. This massive roar from heaven. Another praise party starts up. There's a common theme. Can you see that? It's like there's three praise parties so far that we've seen in the book of Revelation. When we get to heaven, this is just a little foretaste, and it's a pretty good foretaste. Yeah, I love the heart of worship in this place. But this is what it's going to be like day in, day out. In fact, the angels, when they, when they fall to their face, they, they, they kind of, and this is what they do full time. And this is the power of God, is that he reveals more and more of his glory every time. It's like the angels they, and the elders, they hit the ground and they, they go, holy, holy, holy. And then they lift their heads 
And God goes, ta-da, some more of my glory. Holy, 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 holy. And then they get up again and God goes, ha-ha, holy. It's like this, this is what worship is like. When you see what God has done, your response is, holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. That's what worship is, recognizing the power of God, His glory. Revelation 19, 9, and we're bringing it to a close. It's coming down. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Number eight, the Lamb is our bridegroom, and if the team can come now. Through the New Testament, the church is described as the bride, which in the end times will be married, joined forever with Jesus, the Lamb who is preparing us for that wedding supper. And in a moment, we're going to sing the Lion and the Lamb. And we're going to stand and we're going to declare these things over our lives and over our circumstances. And then a white horse with its rider called Justice and True makes war against the beast and the kings and rulers of the earth. His name is the Word of God and he battles and captures the beast along with the false prophet. The Word of God is powerful, my friends. So powerful in our lives. Chapter 20 is action-packed. You want to get the action-packed book of, or chapter of Revelation? Jump into chapter 20. This is the highlights reel. The battle of the great day of the Lord, commonly known as Armageddon. Chapter 20 covers the imprisonment of Satan. The thousand-year reign of Jesus and his saints on earth. The battle of Gog and Magog. And that occurs at the end of the millennium when Satan is loosed for a short time. Then the final destruction of the surface of the earth. That's going to be pretty incredible, isn't it? Just... No movie's going to be able to cover that one well. Finally, we're told of the great white throne of judgment when all the unsaved are judged. Catch your breath, because here's the final scenes. Revelation 21, 22. In the, some of the Bibles it says, a new heaven and earth. As the first heaven and earth pass away, out of heaven comes a new Jerusalem prepared as a beautiful bride. Then the promise that should make our hearts leap for joy. This is our desire, and it has been since the garden, the fall and wanting to get back with God again, it says, now God will dwell amongst his people. How good is that? God dwelling amongst us. What was lost in the garden is restored in the new Jerusalem. There'll be no pain, no death, no mourning, no crying, because the old has passed away. So John sees a vision of the new Jerusalem, laden with precious jewels and the names of those who faithfully served the Lamb. And so one more time, we look and we see the Lamb, but again, not as we would expect. Revelation 21, 22 to 23, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The Lamb is our temple, my friends. The Lamb is our temple. When John looks again, he sees the Lamb as the temple of God, which as we read in the epistles, we are the living stones in which God will make that temple up of. So we become a part of the Lamb and the temple when we are living stones living for Him. And it goes on, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. And this is it. And the Lamb is its lamp. The Lamb is its lamp. Finally, the Lamb is our light. The Lamb is our light. We see the Lamb as the light through which the glory of God brings heaven its light. What an incredible promise here. And we see right throughout the Bible, the allegory of, of darkness and light. We see the battle between good and evil, light and darkness. So many times we're told if we would walk in the light, everything in the darkness will be exposed. 
And when we know that the Lamb is our light and we look to the Lamb, we will see the light of God. Incredible freedom is found when we choose to stand in the light and come out of darkness. The devil gets no power when we come out of darkness. When we stay in darkness, he has a hold on us. But when we come into the light and we expose ourselves to God and to friends, close friends, we find freedom. So church, would you stand with me? We are going to celebrate the Lamb. I'm going to go through it. And if you want to get a little bit excited about the Lamb, you feel free to do that. I know, uh, you know it's kind of early morning on a Sunday, but uh, I think this is some of the most uh, empowering uh, messages that we can, we can hear, that, that when it all wraps up, God is the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb. Jesus the Lamb is our sacrifice. Jesus the Lamb is our Savior. Jesus the Lamb is our Shepherd who protects and guides us. The Lamb is our victory. The Lamb is the author of our story. The Lamb is our identity. The Lamb is our Lord and our King. The Lamb is our Bridegroom. The Lord is our temple and the Lamb is the light. Come on, why don't you celebrate it this morning?